Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchais, the laws of Nachlais, inheritance, or Nacholais. Pedic Sheni, chapter 2. Now we come to the law of firstborn. The firstborn gets double inheritance with the possessions of his father. Again, in the estate. During the lifetime, the father can do whatever he wants. During the lifetime, he can give everything away and leave nothing for the firstborn. In a person's lifetime, it's a free country. It's only after he dies that the estate laws of Torah kick in, and they are very definite and very definitive. Shanamar, as it says, losses lo pishnayim, in the laws of the despised son, which I mentioned in my introduction to chapter 1. It says to give him double. You must give the firstborn double. Ketzad, for example, the Rambam spells it out. If a man left five sons, and one of them is a firstborn. So in plain English, you divide the estate into six. The oldest son takes a third of the money. Why? Because a third is two-sixth. Basic mathematics. The oldest son gets a third, which is two-sixths. And the rest of the four non-firstborn sons get a sixth each. If he leaves nine sons, the firstborn takes a fifth, which is two-tenths. And every one of the eight non-firstborn take one-tenth. This is the system we follow forever which means the number of, children, of sons that are left. You add one, you divide, and voila! What if a firstborn was born after the father died? Or while his father is dying. He does not get double. As it says, on the day that he distributes his wealth, then he must recognize the firstborn, even of the hated mother. But if he was not yet born, this firstborn, then we go to the old inheritance system where the estate moves where it has to. If his forehead came out of the womb during the lifetime of his father, even though the entire head did not, only after the death, he receives double. Gimel, if a child was born and you're not sure of the gender, which we learned extensively about later, Later, the area around the genitals was cut, and it is ascertained that this baby is a, a male. He does not get double, because at the time, we didn't know if it was a male. And a plain child 
who was cut, his skin was cut when Imtza Zohar, and was found male, he does not reduce the portion of the firstborn who was already identified as a firstborn. As it says, the sons will be born to him. It has to be a son from the moment of birth in order to reduce the portion of the firstborn. What do we mean does not reduce? So the Rambam spells out a scenario. What if somebody had a firstborn son? And two regular sons. And then we have this undefined son whose skin was later cut and revealed as a male. So the question is, are there two other sons in addition to the firstborn? Or are there three? The firstborn takes a quarter of the portion, which means we treat it as if there was firstborn plus two, which means we divide the estate into four. The firstborn takes two-fourths. Oh, I'm sorry, the firstborn takes one-fourth. Bilvad, as if he only has these two regular brothers. And the other three quarters, the two regular, divided, together with the other, and together with the firstborn, so here he has a different system of division. Hey, cotton ben yeim echad, a offspring of one day old, does, does cost the firstborn to have less because one day old is existing. But not a fetus. A fetus does not diminish the right of the firstborn. Or a son born after the death of the father. Never reduces the portion of the firstborn. What if there's a son who was born? We're not sure if he's a firstborn or a non-firstborn. How could that be? If he got mixed up with another child. There were twins that are born and they got mixed up. Two cousins that were born and two children, whatever it is. Not cousins, but two wives who had a child at the same time and they got mixed up. He doesn't get double. The case said, so what do you do? If at one point in time we knew that this was the firstborn and then later we lost track, there's a good system. They, you write a power of attorney from one to the other that this one gives the other one power of attorney, the other one gives this one power of attorney, so either way they share. And they take the firstborn portion together with their brothers. So between them they get three portions. But if they were never recognized as a firstborn, they were born in one tunnel, in one dark place, and we never were able to tell the difference. In that case, we don't have even one identified one. In case we're not sure we don't do this contract, and there is no double portion. The plot thickens. If somebody had two sons, the firstborn, and an unfirstborn, a mesh name, they both died, the chayav in his lifetime. 
and they left sons, the firstborn left the daughter, and the non-firstborn left the son. So the son of the non-firstborn inherits his grandfather's estate one-third. <clears throat> which is the portion that his father would have inherited because his father was not a firstborn but the daughter of the firstborn whose father is, was a firstborn inherits two-thirds which is the portion of her father who was a firstborn so that works after death of the father as well meaning after the death of the person of the estate's son who left grandchildren. The same law applies with sons of the brothers. And sons of the father's brother. All heirs. If the father of one of these heirs was firstborn, the one who inherits because of that person who passed away who was a firstborn gets his double estate. This is for father. Does the same work for an inheriting mother? No. The firstborn does not take double in the possessions of this firstborn's mother. Ketzad, for example, Becher, a firstborn, a poshit, and a non-firstborn. Sheyarshu, who together are the heirs of Iman, their mother, Chelk and Beshova, here they divide equally. They both get half. Ben Shaya Becher Lenachla, Ben Shaya Peterechem. This applies whether the son was a firstborn, as we said earlier, paternal, relating to the laws of inheritance, or one who opens the mother's womb, it doesn't matter. There is no firstborn inheritance law with regard to inheriting the mother, no matter why you're a firstborn. Tess, how do we define how this works? Becher l'nachla, the firstborn of inheritance, a firstborn for the purposes of inheritance, who hanelad means the child, the son who was born, of to his father, Rishon first. Shenemar, as it says, Kihu Reishis Eina. He is the beginning of his father's strength. First offspring. We don't look at the mother. The mother could have had many children before from a different husband. Even if the mother had many children prior. We are concerned that this is the father's first, the unique inheritance law. Yerush Pishnaim, he gets double. For other purposes, like Pijan Aben, we're interested in the mother. Now, what if the child is born after stillborn babies are born? In other words, the father had sons, but they died before they were born. They were stillborn. Even though the stillborn put his head out of the womb while he was still alive, but then was born stillborn. The child who follows him, the next child of this father, is the firstborn. Why? Because the father never had a living child born. Because the child who poked his head out, by the time he was born, he was stillborn. Ben Tisha 
so also a full-term pregnancy child. Where his head came out of the womb, dead, he was full-term, but he was not living. Being that he was not living, the next child is a firstborn for the purposes of inheritance. This is what it says, the beginning of his strength, who defined as a father who never had born to him, blood and offspring, who came out living into the world. Therefore, Ben Tisha, a full-term offspring, who put the majority of his head outside of the womb, what is the difference here? Full term, full term, head out, at that moment living. That's considered a life, and the one afterwards is not considered a firstborn, even though by the time it was born, it died. Now here comes a very important law in Jewish law, which has its place in many, many aspects. And that is Caesarean birth, non-vaginal birth. By Torah law, birth is the child who opens the womb. Caesarean takes the secret path out through the stomach. A child who's born out of the wall, that's literal, or Caesarean section, C-section. Or any child that follows the C-section child, the next child of this father, they're both not firstborn. Harishan the first, because a C-section for the purpose of halacha is not considered a normal birth. I mean, obviously it's a birth as a walking child, a living child, but not for the purposes of Jewish law. But Namrat says, he will have children born to him. This is not a normal, natural birth. C-section is a surgery. And the second child, following the C-section child, he's not a firstborn because there was another child, even though he was a C-section. By the way, the laws of C-section have effect in bris. You can't have a bris on Shabbos if there's a C-section child born because it's not considered a normal birth to violate the Shabbos to have a bris or on Yom Kippur. You, can't, you don't have a pijon aben. C-section and many other C-section applications. Here too, a C-section is not considered a firstborn for inheritance purposes. Here's a nice scenario. There was a non-Jew <coughs> who had children, and then he and his children converted. Even though he has a biological firstborn, for inheritance purposes he has no firstborn. But a Jew who had a son, although this child's mother was a maidservant, which we talked about earlier, was not considered a Jew, or a non-Jewish mother, is not called his son, the one who follows from a Jewish mother, is considered a firstborn, for inheritance, does take double, what if the firstborn son was Mamzer, an illegitimate child? We learned earlier in chapter 1, for the purposes of inheritance, illegitimate children 
are children, and again, when we talk about illegitimate, we mean the child born of an adulterous or an incestuous relationship. Still, a child is a child. Neito Pishnaim, he takes twice, double. Shanamar, as it says, perhaps that's what the Chumash intended when it was talking about the mother, that this, the wife that the man hated. Because it was a, a whole relationship was, prog- was problematic. It says he will recognize the firstborn of the woman he hates. She was despised in her marriage. The Torah despised the marriage. It was, an, it was an inappropriate marriage. It was not a real marriage. Because you can't have marriage. A man can never marry his sister. Impossible. It's not a marriage. If a man does marry his sister, what does he do? He goes to therapy. But he doesn't need a divorce. The same goes with an adulterous relationship. You can't marry someone else's wife. She's married away. Certainly, if this child was the son of a divorced woman who married a Kohen or a Chalitza wife, we learned extensively earlier, Chalitza is the Leverite ritual who married a Kohen, it's not appropriate, but at least there was a real marriage, certainly this is considered a son. Now the question is, who can determine firstborn? And by the way, I must say that I've been thinking a lot about this, because in today's world, we have, uh, we're way ahead of the game. We have DNA testing. Who knows who is whose firstborn? I mean, who really knows? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So, how do you determine by Jewish law? That's the purpose of this paragraph. Today, you could take a DNA test and you can know everything. There are three people who are believed to say, this is a firstborn. One is Chaya, the midwife. The obstetrician. The one who delivers the baby. OBGYN. The Ime and the child's mother can say, this is a firstborn. You know, she had triplets. This is the one firstborn. The Oviv and the father of the baby can say, this is my firstborn. So you want to know who can voice an opinion? The one who brings the child into the world, the midwife? The mother of the child or the father? Now, what about time frame? Chayo, the midwife, when can she voice an opinion miyad immediately? Why? Because she's there. Shimomrab, the midwife, said, this baby came first. Ah, Nehmenah, she's believed. Forever we know that this is a firstborn of this father. Imei, the mother, kol shiva aleda, all the seven days of birth. Nehmenah, the mother, is believed for seven days to say, this is the firstborn. Because for seven days, the mother is obsessed with her baby and she won't let her baby go and she knows the baby, by the way. You know what they do today when a baby is born in a hospital setting? Immediately, they put a little band and a this and a that and fingerprints and they hock and... Why? Why? You know, I, I got mixed up with Bill Gates when we were born. 
Why? Because babies get mixed up. So they want to put a band on the mother and a band on the baby and hocking and clopping. This is a big problem. So the mother is trusted for seven days. Aviv, the father, a father keeps an eye out on his firstborn. The father knows this is my, my Kaddishal, my firstborn, Lo'elam forever. Even if the father comes along, takes this kid off the street, he finds him in the YMCA, which is Young Men's Chabad Association. And he says, you see this kid? Who? Bani? He's really my son. ZG Zagurnisht. He's my firstborn. Shah. Naaman, he's believed. Why did he keep it a secret all these years? We know why. So also, if he said, with regard to somebody who we consider to be his firstborn, that he, we always considered this kid to be his firstborn. And he comes over and he says, my dear friends, I got news. He's not my firstborn. Namanis believe the father has the information because we're talking about paternal firstborn. Now, what happens to Option Ishtatek? The father, God forbid, in our world, God forbid, has a stroke and loses his ability to speak. There's a system in Torah, which we learned about, for divorce, where we ask the person who loses his power of speech, questions. And we ask him test questions until we're sure that he's responding properly. We say, is, is it light outside? Is today Monday? We ask him all kinds of questions. Is George Washington the president of the United States? And so on and so forth. And then we ask him, do you want to divorce your wife? So it's established and he knows what he's doing. So also here is a system of question and head shaking. In Romans, if he hinted, I customary roaches at Benay Bechere, this is his firstborn son. He does get to take a double portion. Test Zion 16. What if two witnesses came along and they said, they heard this guy's father, Aimer, saying, I heard this kid, this person, his father to say, he is, he isn't. Or he said something which we can deduce that this and this is his son. And these are two kosher witnesses who testify something that's definitive. In other words, two people come and say, we heard Mr. A say, this is really my firstborn. Even though the father never said specifically, or as... Some of my kids would say, pacifically. This is my firstborn, but he made a statement which alluded to the fact that it is his firstborn. 17, the closing paragraph of chapter 2. If they heard the father say, they heard the father say, this is my firstborn son. Isn't that good enough? The answer is no. That's insufficient testimony to have this son regarding whom the father says, this is my firstborn son. Not enough to have him inherit double. Why? Because there are different definitions to firstborn. 
Shema b'cher le'imehu. Maybe when the father said that, he meant the firstborn to his mother. A firstborn to a mother have many halachic ramifications, as we learned. We learned extensively the laws of firstborn. Maybe that's what the father meant. He has to say, my son, my firstborn, meaning my firstborn. End of chapter 2.